Hello everybody, welcome to our bonus podcast. I'm the host of the podcast Donatas Urbanas and I'm joined by the head coach of Budishnas Podgorica, Alexander yeah. Djikic. Hello coach. Yeah. Hello Donatas. Uh, oh, you you have some Lithuanian. Uh, no, Even... I know I know about 20 words, man. I know about 20 words. But yeah, since 10 years passed, I mean how, yeah. how many yeah, years ago you like... worked in Ritas? Uh, like yeah, years. nine nine, ten years, yeah. It is it is like this. Oh my god, oh my god. It's it's a pleasure, it's an honor to have you here, uh, actually. But tell me, uh for the beginning, tell me your best Olympic Games highlights so far from Tokyo. Oh uh actually I'm trying, you know what I'm trying, because like I'm I'm trying not to watch them live. I'm trying to record them and watch them again. So like I'm 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 building a pile of the games that I want to watch like in a day. So I will do that um how they call it, you know, binging of of the games from from uh, Olympic Games, but probably uh, still still uh still understanding it's uh it's round games. I know there are some surprises, obviously, we all know it, but it is what it is, man. It's, it is kind of strange to watch Olympics without, without Serbian team and Lithuanian team, to be honest. So oh, yeah. I guess I, I guess I would, I would watch it with more, with more, how to say that passion. If, if those two teams are there, since, I mean, you know how I feel about, uh, Lithuanian basketball. Mm. Tell me about the, tell me about the level of disappointment in Serbia because of the national team. Well, honestly, it was kind of it was kind of heavy. It's not like that we didn't expect or we had that. Oh, it's going to be easy. We knew it is not going to be easy because there's so many things. And uh, <clears throat> but listen, it it is it is what it is. And uh, probably the the the. The worst thing that could happen is that we are let ourselves be stuck in a moment and 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 mourn for two, three, I don't know how many years. And I think that we should, you know, reset and keep on going because, you know, as you know, every every year, right there after the, you know, right after the corner, it's it's a next challenge. You don't have time to to be to feel sorry about yourself. It is what it is. We had a, we had a problems with with injured players with with those with those kind of things. But plus, Italia <clears throat> played incredible game. I I don't know. Did you did you watch it or not? Some parts and, of it, yeah. But yeah, they were, I know they Italians were, they can were incredible, be incredible, unbelievably good. Yeah, for, for me, it was kind of you know the same kind of upset like we had in two thousand and four Athens Olympic Games in semifinals Lithuania Italy. When, you know, USA was out already, they lost to Argentina and we were playing against Italy and we were thinking that, oh, we're going to play in the final game for the Olympic goal. But Italy yeah. happened. I mean, they, they, they like to surprise people. Well, we had a, we had a similar situation 05 in, uh, in Novi Sad when, when Serbian team didn't pass the group. So I don't know, it happened and whatever it is, just, you know, let's, let's, all try not to happen again. What what else can I say? You know, it's I always say like there, if there is a problem, try to, you know, first of all, try to find it, you know, then then there is absolutely no positives in, in denying it the, the problems. So 
it is what it is. We should be real and keep on going. We should learn from this and and prepare for the next next uh, opportunity. You know, it is what it is. The problem is that in both countries, expectations are are crazy, Enormous. crazy high. Yeah, it's unbelievably. High. It is what it is, man. You know, on one side, it's it's great. It makes you makes you feel you know proud about yourself and uh, you know the country when you're representing. Uh, but on the other end, obviously, it's uh, it's pressure. The one of the few positives uh, that Lithuania and Serbia Serbia are not in Tokyo is that we can enjoy the game as fans right now. And yeah. the next the next thing is uh, that we can discuss the NBA draft because if if Serbia and Lithuania were in Tokyo, we wouldn't have time for this, I guess. And well, we, we would probably have less time for it. Honestly, yeah. you know, we would probably have less time for it. But I mean, maybe I'm not the right type of the person because like from year after year after year, I, I'm really trying to to follow the, the NBA draft. I don't maybe that's not a common, you know, maybe it's not a it's not a thing, you know, for some other coaches. But I think it's important, you know, to uh, because following those type of um, I'll use the word events. Yeah. Uh, simply, it will help you to analyze what's going on and maybe to recognize the tendencies. And as you know, like uh, if you can recognize and and figure out the tendencies, what what will be very important in the future that could help you as a player, as a coach. Tell me about these tendencies. Uh, I had I had an introduction of, of you. Uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to say, I wanted to mention that you were the assistant coach of Minnesota Timberwolves back in 2005 uh, to, to yeah. 2007. Yeah. And probably in some way you were a part of NBA draft pro process. And uh, since you follow NBA draft right now in the, in the current years, uh, what kind of tendencies and what kind of differences uh, you see uh, in terms of how teams and scouts, NBA people approach draft right now, and how did they approach the draft uh, like 16 years ago? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure that there is a there is there is a like universal rule. I think it's a little bit different from team to team, which is kind of uh, normal because different teams they have different uh, different goals, they have different needs. You know, some teams they can afford, and we were talking before we started recording this. We were talking about it, like some teams. You know, they are they are drafting uh, players who could be a sudden impact, players that could help those teams win right now. Some teams they have a luxury to uh, have, let's say, two three years for type of let's call it a rebuilding process. So maybe maybe you can afford. To do one of those, one of two things to leave player in Europe. Historically, we had many examples of it, or also to bring a player to 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 NBA and and work over there with the players that um, you know that you will use in the future. But you believe that it is better for them to be in a type of environment that your club can provide. And there are some many. Good examples of it. I will just I will just uh, uh, emphasize right now the the, the case of uh, Vlatko Chanchar. You know the the player of Slovenian team, the the guy oh, yes, who is in the Denver sure. Nuggets. And you know watching Slovenia in a qualifying tournament and right now 
you know, everybody's kind of kind of surprised, like, who is this kid and, and, and what's going on? But honestly, you know, him being there and, you know, knowing a little bit about you know, what type of work he's going through, you know, I'm not I'm not that surprised, to be honest. You know, I'm not that surprised. Uh, is he going to be a rotation guy for his team in, in next season or seasons? I don't know. But obviously, there is a change uh, in his game, in his body. And uh, if you want to be honest, that's not a, that's not a, the, the, the only example. We can find many examples of it. Because some teams really believe that they can develop players better or more, more properly uh, in states than if they live in Europe. Which, which makes sense, especially if players have to, how to say that, work on their body or skills because, and we will talk about this later, number of games, sometimes it's not the friend for a, for a player. By the way, uh, talking about Vlatko, was he always that confident uh, like I saw him in Kaunas? Does, it, does that confidence come from his body changes and maybe, you know, NBA experience, even though he's not playing a lot? It seems like, you know, being with a winning team help, helped him, you know, to step on the floor so confident on, on himself. And he's he's just amazing. I mean, if if not in the NBA, in the Euroleague, he would be a perfect uh, stretch Absolutely. forward. Absolutely. That's a great point. He looks very confident. I mean, they play they play very obviously they have a they they have a clear leader with Doncic and they really have players they look like they enjoy playing together. That's that's my first you know impression when I when I'm watching those games. And by the way, I'm very I'm very happy because their 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 coach is uh, is my ex uh, assistant coach from Kirka Nova Mesto days, and I'm so proud, so happy for him. I mean, finally. He's getting the recognition that that. Tell me, tell me, your, tell me your story about uh, Alexander Sekulic. I, I mean, listen, we worked together. We worked together for like uh, three years in uh, in Novo and uh, I I think he's a great person, great coach. I mean, good in Exynos, very good in communications, kind of patient, down to earth type of guy. Understanding, obviously, understanding what's going on with that team and. Uh, you know, sometimes people don't understand how hard it could be to, to coach a superstar. Obviously, they have one. I mean, they have they have uh, Luka Doncic as a superstar, but right now they look pretty good. And the way they're playing, you know, I, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to say, I'm not good in predictions and everything, but the way they're playing, they're pretty good. They look pretty good right now in this they they look pretty good in uh, in this moment. Just to go back for a second on on, uh, on Tanchar, uh, that's a great point, great question. Uh, he he looked very confident, and he looked as a part of the team. Probably those two are mixing with with him, putting a lot of work over there. Yes, in a theory, he's lacking minutes uh, in the games and everything, but so far we didn't see that. So far, we didn't see that. He simply looks like, uh, let's use the term, regular player. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, all these tendencies on, of NBA teams. Uh, one one teams are willing, you know, to um, draft a guy which you can wait for two, three years. For example, uh, there are 
few good examples of Denver Nuggets when they were already a growing team in the Western Conference. They drafted Michael Porter. It was a bit of risk because of his uh, injuries and his uh, history and stuff. But, you know, they, they wanted to draft him because they had a luxury to draft one young guy and to wait for him to develop because the uh, rest of the roster was already uh, solid. Then, uh, two years ago or one year uh, later, I mean, uh, they drafted Ball Ball. It's a completely long-term uh, project because, again, they had a great uh, roster. So they had a luxury to get a, a guy who can be somebody in like three or four years. But uh, I'm a bit surprised because did it wasn't like wasn't it like that five fifteen years ago? I mean, when well, you compare, it, it was uh, again. I have to say, like, I don't know how it was. I I I truly believe there is no universal rule. I think it was again. I'm I'm repeating that from team to team. I think it was pretty pretty much the same over there. What is the biggest? Uh, what is the most important thing when you're trying to pick a player, drafting a player? I think it is you know projecting his ceiling how good he can be in after some time some players are very good right now so they can help you some players will be good in a in a future sometimes you know you draft and leave them in europe you know especially second round picks or you know those low risk picks it's it's fine and then if they improve it is a great example of you being a a guy with a vision or a team with a vision. And uh, sometimes simply they just uh, feel that player didn't uh, develop the way they were expecting. It is, it is, it is different from player to player. You have, a, if we were talking about uh, Pokushevsky as, as an example of, uh, of a player uh, who was I don't know, is it the right you know, word to use it? Um, he was like a no name on a Euro League, on the highest level of European basketball. But uh, as you said, great example of uh, unexpected, uh, successful first season. And I, I'm pretty sure nobody can deny that. Because, you know, having this type of the season in, in a team where he is right now, and in, in you know sort of and as you know like oklahoma is in a in a position with all those draft picks they can really change the looks of uh some drafts even this one next one in the years i mean they have so many they have so many picks so what they will do with them can really uh change you know, situation for so many clubs. But again, Pokushevsky is an example of the player that went over there, he had a chance, he simply used the chance in a proper way. Obviously, when you watch him from the start till the end of the season, he was better and better. So he was developing. You know, some players, some players, they went over there and uh, they are lacking minutes or chance to dance in a real games. So, it, I think it's very individual. I think it's very individual. Pokushevsky was playing uh, for the second team of uh, Olympiakos. Yes. And uh, yeah, that's again surprising because we, we now witness players like Garuba, like Jokobaitis playing important roles for their teams on the EuroLeague level in the playoffs and stuff. You know, when Pokushevsky was only the 
uh, young prospect of the uh, youth team of uh, Olympiacos. And I, I'm thinking, you know, from the coach standpoint, you know, how, how did you have any situations like that when you had some young guy on the bench and he was drafted, for example, and he had some, you know, surprising NBA career. And when you try to figure out, you know, what I was missing as a coach, maybe I should give him opportunities or maybe he was not ready. And now it's just, you know, timing and stuff. I mean, how to understand that kind of process if you would be, for example, Olympiacos uh, head coach? Well, it, it all depends. It all depends on what kind of uh, club you're working as a coach you know some some clubs are less patient more demanding they want to win every single day and when you have that type of situation you know it's kind of hard for you to find uh, enough time and uh, enough in a good uh, enough situation for a young player to develop and at the same time to stay on the same how to say that winning percentages trying not to lose the games. And again, I'm not sure that you can develop players giving them those um, minutes during the garbage time. You know what the garbage time is. Yeah. So, and and it all, it is, it is, you know, some teams cannot afford young guys. Simply they cannot. And that's why that example of Jokubaitis player that you uh, guys in Lithuania or all over the Europe knows well or Usman Garuba. Well, you have those those two, uh, I will use the word kids, and I, I don't mean anything bad, but when you have those two kids, and they're very important in their club, they're, they're not 11th, 12th, 13th player in rotation. They are they are very important. For example, I don't know, Rokas had uh, 21 minutes in EuroLeague, am I right? Exactly. One of the yeah. highest numbers in all team, probably yeah. more than Joffrey Laverne, for example. And, and and for example, he played like 74 games last season. I don't know, are you aware of it? And when we are talking about minutes, I will just say like, for example, Garuba played 86 games. So compare those two numbers, 74, 86, with, uh, we were talking about one of one of the Euro kids who is right now in States, that's uh, Franz Wagner, who had like in two seasons, he had only, he had only, I think it was uh, 55 games. So what's better for a young player? Obviously, these two are they 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 prove themselves on a highest level out of the NBA. So watching them, evaluating them is a little bit easier, you know, for the for the guys in the NBA who are making decisions, who are making calls about those two players. You know, and and if you if you ask me, probably for me, you you will not find better better young players in their positions in Europe. For me, I don't know, Rokas is probably with him uh, him and, and uh, the kid from Badalona, Dimitrievich are two best, uh, I call them ball handlers, young ball handlers in Europe. And Garuba, like when we're talking about Garuba, first of all, every time I'm watching him, uh, the first thing I forget is how old is he? And he's only, I don't know, 19, am I right? Something around 19, yeah. Yeah, He's 19, he was 19 in March or something like that. And then you watch uh, EuroLeague playoff series, FS Pilsen, Real Madrid, and you're just like, wow. For me, in in those games, he was the, the, the player that uh, Coach Lasso couldn't afford to put on a bench. That's how it looked to me. 
And I was really trying to watch it as a fan because I really like both, both teams. I like what they're doing. But for example, Real Madrid is a, is a, is a uh, example of the team who can afford and historically that's what they're doing, giving chance to a little bit younger guys. But to be honest, you know, they are always having uh, super talented young players, giving them chance, you know. It's not like they're having no names and, you know, trying to prove that they're worth of playing on that level, you know. And Garuba is one of one of those kids. And the, the, the fact that Roca signed for Barcelona and the whole Europe knows that this season is very important for that club because, you know, after what happened last year, they will probably have an even more pressure to win. But again... Uh, decision to sign a young kid as he is actually for me it's uh, it's uh, you know quality approved stamp on that kid easy uh, nba level you know uh, game changer guy who knows but is there enough uh, skill set for him in this moment to be very interesting for the nba i think it is i mean honestly i'm not i'm not um, how to say that? I'm a big fan of the kids, so maybe I'm not the right right person. Uh, you mentioned uh, about, Garuba. about him. Yeah. You mentioned Garuba and his uh, incredible playoff series against yes. FS. I was also uh, fascinated uh, watching Garuba playing defense like that. Especially, it was probably game three or game four. Uh, when Real uh, was trying, you know, to get back in, in the game, and Garuba uh, was switching on uh, every possession in defense, <laughs> and it was Shane Larkin, it was Misich, it was Bobwa. Nobody could beat him, and it was is, amazing. It's crazy, huh? It's, it's crazy. unbelievable. It's really and unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And those are those are some of the best shot creators in Europe. Yeah, I cannot find, you know, better guys like, well, like them. If, yeah, there are some, but those three are, I think, top 10 shot creators in Europe. Yeah. You will not find too many guys able to create their own shots. But at the same time, what is strange for, uh, to me, uh, when we mention, you know, all the all this number of games, uh, being on a high level every week, uh, playing amazing series against the uh, FS, I see... Uh, you know, all these ESPNs, mock drafts, uh, mm -hmm. the athletics mock drafts and stuff like that. And I see Usman Garupa dropping by a few positions down, like from, you know, 10, 15 to 19. Right now, he's projected as 19th pick by ESPN. How, how to understand, you know, that kind of process? Well, uh, there, is a, there is a very old song from a hip hop band, Public Enemy, don't believe the hype. <laughs> and sometimes hype is a big part of draft process. And as you know, you're following draft for years. Everybody who will follow in the draft, every year there is, a, I call it draft dynamics. From season to season, you know, one, one, uh, one player starts low, then he goes up, then somebody who is like uh, projected very high really drops down. And we even had, uh, we were witnessing, uh, we had the chance to witness um, surprises in a, in a, on the draft night and everything. So uh, 
sometimes it's hard to understand that hype. And and again, it, it all depends who is drafting those players, who is evaluating. Because honestly, I will I will give you the example. With Garuba, you know where his ceiling is. So you have a guy that with the highest possible energy level, with a good size, with the ability that when you were asking me about a tendency, one of the defensive tendencies nowadays is you having uh, ability or, you know, luxury to have big, big guys who will kill your pick and roll with switching, meaning they will stay in front of the shot creators and still it will not going to be easy for them. And I think Usman Garuba is one of those one of those guys. Can he improve his his um, game in uh, in offense? Yes, but you know the energy, the mobility, uh, defensive defensive you know options that you as a coach have with him. For me, they're valuable. For some other, obviously, they're not. I mean, it, it it's it's fine. They're not. The, I'm I'm like. For years, you know, back, I'm like, okay, you and me, we have different opinions about things. It's fine. You know, you will, in, in your mock draft, one player will be on a seventh place. In my mock draft, he will be on a 17th place. So it's fine. You know, it's really, I think at the end, at the end, it's all about, you know, situation. I, I believe that, that, that uh, it's very important to understand that drafting athletes is very important. The players with the talent, with the natural gift, and then working on their skills. I think it's a little bit easier process than having the having you know a player with a skill set that you like but athletically not on the level that you need if, if you understand what i'm trying to say i'm not i'm not sure but but and those those two kids are those two kids are great great uh, example of you know somebody who proved himself on the highest possible level but then you have we can talk about him that player from michigan you know i'm talking about wagner Prince wagner who is um Lately, as you said, you know, is uh, you know having a better and better position on those mock draft lists, which is fine. Honestly, where I am right now, I don't know how good he is during the workouts. Some players have amazing workouts, amazing workouts, and. You know, you just change the, the, the opinion after you see live what player can do. And I understand that. I understand that. Comparing the numbers, analyze it just, just based on data, I think it's just a part of evaluation process. Tell me a bit more in detail about these uh, workouts because sometimes it's really so strange to hear. As you already mentioned, you know, you're watching the guy for like like Morris, uh, like Franz Wagner. I'm sorry, he's Morris Wagner uh, brother. You're watching the guy for yeah. two years playing for Michigan, and uh, okay, it's, Wagner is like right now is just an example. But then you have him in in your workouts, uh, and it seemed like you know you knew everything about the guy. 
but in, in the workouts, you change your opinion, uh, you change your, you know, uh, attitude, approach on the player. W what can happen in the workout? Sometimes, you sometimes players look extremely dominant when you watch them live. Sometimes they look bigger, sometimes they look faster, sometimes they look more dominant when you watch them live with the group that you have on the floor if they're working out with with uh, with some other guys or maybe you can have individual workout whatever it is sometimes you will be in a shock when you see players having uh, those uh, i call them isolating shooting drills when 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 you're you know those are not live drills or something like that but all of a sudden you understand that maybe somebody's a way better shooter than you were ever you know expecting you never know or Maybe uh, if they have interviews, some teams are having interviews, some teams they don't, I know. And uh, sometimes you're just like, uh, after that interview, like, wow, did you, did you but hear? Isn't it, it like, you know, isn't it like, you know, to compare it with, you know, uh, let's say noticing some girls in the club, you know, <laughs> you're, you're so fascinated because of, you know, that kind of experience, but wouldn't you trust your two year, uh, two year work of scouting instead of, you know, being so hyped about, you know, these workouts hey, and this Donato, short time you together? You heard that before. Many girls are looking very good under disco light, under club lights, you know? So you never know. Sometimes when you see her, or she sees you on the broad daylight, she's like, ah, honey, that's not the guy I want. And sometimes, you know, sometimes, um, sometimes workouts will tell you something about the workout of the player. You know, I, I, I believe there are two group of players, energy givers, energy takers, and you are, I believe there's there's nine of ten coaches will always try to recruit or sign or have energy givers in their team. You know, having a energy vampire in a team is is it's simply you're trying to avoid that. And sometimes players are like that. Sometimes our players are like that. You know, so that that's why all that process for us, you know, out of out of league, it's it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different, uh, you know, in some, I, I guess it's a little bit hard for, for people to understand for, uh, let's say, ordinary basketball fan. And then there is the thing that I, I, I don't even want to open that topic about the overscouting. When you are watching somebody and you're following somebody too much, that all of a sudden things that maybe you, you never think, you never thought that, that you, will, you will find all of a sudden they're becoming very visible to you. What is over-scouting for you? I mean, did you have uh, experiences Listen, I, like I will that? Not, I will not mention the name of the player, but I know that player very, very good. And you know him good because he played in Europe. I will just say this. So let's say that on his, let's say it's just his third third year of the college and he was great. And his uh, college was very successful. They had a great season. But, and he was shooting well, he was playing well, everything was, you know, really good. He made a decision to stay one more year. All of a sudden, people were expecting him to go from here to here. It never happened. So, you know, he decided to, to play one more year. And 
you know, all of a sudden all scouts are like, okay, there is a chance to watch him more. And they didn't like what what they saw, you know. I mean, that player made a great, great, uh, I, I'm that player from that example, he made a great, great Europe, uh, European uh, career. But who knows what would happen if he decided to follow that first scenario. You know, him leaving, I don't know is the proper word, early or on time. But he, he decided to wait and then some things were simply, how to say that, were more visible. You know, or uh, obviously, I will just give you the simple example so everybody could, could uh, understand. Obviously, you're watching uh, your Kubaitis way more than me. And you know more about him than me. I'm watching games, but you also have uh, off-court information, all those things, you know. And But, for example, at the same time, I'm watching Petrushev way more than you. So maybe I see something that you don't see and vice versa when we are talking about Yoko Bautis. That's That's what I'm talking about, you know, like... Uh, when yeah, and as, as, more, as more information you have, there is a risk of, you know, judging the player and being too hard on him, probably. Is, is that the case in, in, in Scout's life? I mean, yeah, from, from, sometimes I... I, I listen, uh, I know many Scouts and uh, their position is different from team to team. You know, some of them are very valuable for their, for their teams, their GMs or presidents of basketball operations for the guys who are making decisions but then some of them you know they're fully aware that uh, they're following they're collecting data uh, they're investing uh, they're they're you know preparing information for the for the guys who are making uh, decisions but they don't have a vote if you understand what I'm trying to say yeah you know it all depends which is which is kind of which is kind of normal if you ask me yeah and we were talking about the importance of workouts you know um, about energy uh, givers and Jokobaitis was for sure one of them and i know that many teams were disappointed uh, disappointed that he uh, couldn't come to the us it's still not clear yet at least uh, officially you know why he didn't come for the workouts but, the but let me mm -hmm. let me interrupt you here okay at the same time I'm not having a hard time being his agent saying like, what guys you really want to see? He played 74 games this season. What else you want to see? Do you understand me? That's that yeah. question that you can always ask them about your player. Like, okay, you're missing what? So you, you're, you, you had a chance to watch him against uh, great teams, against great coaches, against great players playing him. Um, you had a chance to, to follow him playing on the road, at home, important games, not so important games. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, but you know, we would like to see you, you know, on the workouts. Uh, no. <laughs> I see your point. I mean, yeah. You understand? I, would, yes. I mean, or for example, right now you and me talking and then Usman Garuba, I'm pretty sure he's in Tokyo. Am I right? Yes, yes, he's yes, a part of, of Olympic course. teams? Yeah, yeah, of course. 
So imagine somebody asking him to come work out. I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just using him as an example. I'm not saying that, that that will ever happen or that it did happen. You understand yeah. me? It's yeah. just some, I don't know, some, some teams have their own rules. And I understand that and I respect it. It's fine. And listen, some clubs, they're not expect, they don't want to uh, accept to be uh, farms from uh, for the NBA teams. Simply, they don't want. Yeah, they, 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 they want to feel two-way street respect. I will have respect for you guys trying to get my player, but I'm expecting respect from your side. Is it too much to expect? Yeah, I, you're right. You understand my point? Like, yeah. Okay. It's got to be something good that we are doing right here if you want him. I'm not talking about any of these players particularly. I'm just saying. Or sometimes when they're getting very young guy, a prospect, somebody they, they could invest three or four years to wait for him. Okay, we want to build him. We want to we wanna change his body. Maybe he will not be able to do that staying in Europe. I'm just saying that could be one of the scenarios. I'm not saying that is a universal rule. Yeah, and what I was trying to say about Jokobait is that he could take this trip, you know, as an advantage because he's uh, such a great guy. He's such a great personality that uh, uh, some scouts believe that if teams would meet him in person, you know, he could at least, let's say, raise his stock a bit. And it's it's a bit sad that, you know, mostly probably due to, due to some health issues, he couldn't come because he had to solve some issues and, it, you know, it might have shortened his time before the NBA draft and probably it was no reason to come uh, for the to, to the United States for like a few days, uh, you know, having in mind all these jet lags and stuff. Also, he was really tired after the season. But I wanted to say, you know, he's a, such a great guy. He's such a, such a great person that that kind yeah. of meeting in person maybe would have helped him, you know, before the NBA draft. I agree with you. But then again, I will be a devil's advocate. I think having... Miller as his last season coach, and we both know he's a very well-connected coach in States, obviously, and him signing for Barcelona, for Sharas, Eskivicius, also well-connected, well-known coach in States, maybe talking to those two guys should be enough. I'm just saying, I'm just devil's advocate. But I understand your point. He would probably um, made a very good introduction of himself because of his personality. And for example, that's a, that's uh, again that's something that you know that you know about him living in in, in Lithuania and watching him all the time, uh, and me on the other side just watching him during the games. You understand? That's that's that. Uh, you know, amount of information that, that we could have about a player, you know. And I, I know for sure, and I agree with that 100%, that on-court, off-court informations are pretty much of the same importance. 
Okay, sometimes off court is very, very important. Very important. What do you think? What what? Where is the line of you know too much information when scouts are digging uh, about the player? Wh where is the line that guys? I mean, you should relax. I mean, it's just too much. It's not necessary information. Yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. I'm not sure there is a, again. I will use the term. I, I'm not sure there is a universal rule, but like in anything else, like any other job, there is a there is the essence of the of of what you're trying to do. And if you understand the essence, everything else is uh, not that important. You know, so I I guess different experience, different uh, experience with players, different experience in scouting process, different teams, different GMs. And then there is something that, you know, most of people out of, out of, um, out of sports don't understand then there is always a low risk sign and a high risk sign and sometimes you're simply not in a position to do to make uh high risk signs or picks in a draft simply you are in position that you have a lot of pressure and that you have to win as soon as possible and then you really don't want to plan your future with uh, i don't know some kids out of you know starting their careers it's simply you're simply not in a in a position to wrap it up about yokobitis uh, okay as you, as, as you said you know looking for, from sides what do you mm -hmm. like about yokobitis uh, the most energy him being aggressive i'm uh, i i guess some people will not like this too much. I like that he was playing. I'm talking about Jalgiri's season, the last season. I like him better as a two-man combo kid, combo guard, more than a, than a so-called pure point guard. That's just that's just me. Obviously, there are things in his in his game that he will have to work on it. As far as I know, kid is a worker, and he wants to be better. So I think that's always a good uh, that's always a good. Um, combination uh, physically, I think he has a proper type of body for his uh, position. Obviously, I don't know he's six four. Him being six eleven and playing the same <laughs> the same way would help. But I, I think I think uh, his body is is uh, is the right size for what what type of basketball he should play. What what is interesting that Rokas was playing as a pure point guard for Sharas, but when Schiller came, he mm -hmm. wanted you know to 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 him become a more off ball player because he thought that this gonna help him for for the NBA. But the thing is that Jokobaitis by himself uh, wasn't a fan of this idea. At least in the end of the season, he mentioned that he he enjoys playing as a true point guard uh, more. And he didn't feel himself in the end of the season with Jargiris. So my question is, uh, what do you see in him as more an off-ball uh, combo guard? And why do you think that he well, would be more successful? Well, honestly, him playing as a pure point, the term that you're using or combo, uh, at the end of the day, he will have to be able to be 
a pick and roll ball handler in a pick and roll situation. That means that he will have to be able to create his own shots. He will have to be able to read defenses coverages and he will have to be able to react when people are trying to cover him changing coverages on him and at the end of the day and you we were talking earlier about the tendencies one of the tendencies is probably that those two you know let's let's use the old school formation terms uh, point guard shooting guard um probably are closer and closer you know mm-hmm. and and when you watch the best teams in Europe or the NBA obviously you know when you watch FS Pilsen as a EuroLeague champion you will see that they have how many four is it four or even five pick and roll ball handlers you know or you, you were watching NBA finals with with the phoenix and that style of the game and and so many teams are playing that pick and roll heavy oriented offense i guess that's what that uh pure point guard combo guard is you know because uh at the end of the day i believe that him being uh coached uh with those two coaches year after year will only help him. I I wouldn't be surprised if he figure out how to use uh what he learned from both of them and figure out his own way of of playing that position because you know at the end of the day you're on the floor because of your skills nothing else. Yeah, in the end of the day we also have to give a credit for Martin Schiller because uh, probably we we discussed it uh, earlier it's not so common in the Euroleague to give a young guard to play 21 minute per game especially you know when your job is at risk uh, because in Euroleague it's always uh, your job is at risk if you're well, the head that's, coach. Yeah, that's what I call a high risk. High risk like you have a low risk signs for example you sign a guy who played 10 years in your league so you are like you you simply know what he can give you well, you know deciding to play your kubaitis for 21 minute simply you know it's uh, you have to believe that he will be good enough for your team that you are not losing games because of him okay and and many coaches in europe cannot afford it it is what it is and what if i mean nba scouts love jokobaitis but they're mm-hmm. also not sure you know if he's euroleague player or he he can you know succeed in the nba and there's a high possibility that at least for the next season uh, he will be drafted and stashed uh, most likely and if he will be stashed he will go to barcelona because he signed a new four year deal with barca and i and i you know to, to finish the discussion about rogas i just wanted to hear your opinion what do you think about uh, him moving from from jargeris uh, to barcelona as we mentioned the team which has a huge pressure you know to win it all but also acquiring a young player so from the player's uh, standpoint what do you think about uh, this move let me ask you one thing and obviously you don't have to answer me If there is anyone else coaching Barcelona 
Do you think that he would uh, <laughs> choose to go there? <laughs> you know my answer. You know my answer. <laughs> okay, so I think, you know, the way Barcelona was recruiting him helped his decision. On the other end, I have no doubts that he would have benefits if he stayed in a system of Jalgeris. But I simply don't have doubts that he will have a good time in Barcelona. I mean, it's a win-win for him. And, and it's great. And, it, and, and it's great. Simply, it's great. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe we said enough. <laughs> maybe we said enough about him. Uh, but uh, I, I don't see him having season next season and thinking in June or what I mean what happened what happened I simply don't see that maybe I maybe I believe in him too much I don't, I don't. by the way uh, scouts love to mention Goran Dragic mm -hmm. let's say as a as a guy you know as a path uh, which Jokobaitis would follow you know they compare uh, their playing style, their qualities and stuff. Mm -hmm. You you probably know Goran Dragic better than most of us. So do you see any similarities uh, in their game? Yeah, I coach him. I coach him season before he left for the uh, state. Um. Yeah, you can you can make some. You can compare those two. Uh, I like, as I said, I like the energy. I like them both being aggressive. I like I like their instincts. Because I believe that it's very valuable to find all those things that you cannot coach. And I think having instinct, understanding the game, understanding the having good perception of, of, the, of the court, I think that's very valuable. I think it's very valuable. And obviously, Goran was physically very gifted. I didn't coach uh, Rokas, but what I see on the floor, I mean, I believe that he's a, he's a, he's pretty good physically for that type of position, you know. <clears throat> and information, as I said before, like information that I have him being, uh, you know, interested in in being better, it's always good. And uh, what I know about Dragic, and you will tell me about Rokas, Dragic is unbelievably competitive person. Him and his brother, that's like, I can tell you stories and you would laugh and then you would say like, this is great. But he's so competitive. He's so competitive. I don't know. You know, Rokas way better than me. So I guess maybe Rokas looks a little bit more relaxed, I think. And, you know, it's always hard to, to compare com level of competitive uh, co competitiveness when we have when we talk about Goran Dragic, you know. Yeah, believe me, I was blessed, you know, I was blessed. Uh, tell tell with, me some with, stories because I know that, you I know, can, there's... Believe me, listen, hey, whenever you want to start, whenever you want to say, you know, start a funny story, it's like when you're asking any of brothers who is better in one-on-one. -on -one. That's that's enough. You just you just throw out that question and <laughs> and watch, <laughs> and then discussion starts. And they are extremely competitive. That's a great family. That's a they, their their family. It's such a great sports story. Believe me. I mean, mother and father pushing them and, and supporting them in the good times and the bad times. And obviously, they 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 made great careers. 
you know, and I think it's a great, great sports story, really. One of the great sports story. And uh, me, I, I'm very, I'm very blessed that I was part of, of their careers. Both of them, actually. I coached both of them. It's, it's crazy, you know. Another great story in the making is Usman Garuba. We already discussed uh, yes, uh, yes. Some, some things about him. In my eyes, he's probably the most prepared, let's say, defensively Euro prospect I can remember. Uh, is there anything uh, to add about uh, Garuba? I'm pretty sure, like, with, with the age and I think, you know, his skills in offense will will, will be more... How to say that? Notable during the game. I think he will he will add more to his offense. Right now, what we know, his uh, I call that quick roller, quick under control roller. Okay, he knows he can roll quick. He understands the distances between him, screener, defense. At least it, that's how it looks to me. He's a willing passer. Obviously, can become better. And obviously, he's shooting, I mean, facing the basket, if we add that. And and again, we're talking about him like he's a 26, he's just 19. Okay, so I'm pretty sure he will add that to, to his, uh, his uh, skill set. Um, and what sometimes it's good that he will build those um, habits in order to, to help himself to be more, uh, how to say that, influential in the game like NBA. For example, the other kid that we could talk about is uh, Alperen Tengen, mm -hmm. the Turkish kid. With him, we have a different example. And we both know, because we're following basketball and we like it, What, what happened to him last year, it's unbelievable. I don't know, do you agree with me? Cinderella story. In my eyes, it's a Cinderella story. Um, unbelievable improvement. Unbelievable improvement. Another young kid. I don't know, he's also 19 as far as I know. Um, again, as Garuba is uh, defensively almost complete player right now, On this level, Schengen is, uh, I don't know, am I pronouncing the right way? Uh, his last name, I apologize. But uh, the way he played in the Turkish league, when you check his numbers with the serious teams from uh, their uh, from their league, and I'm talking about FS Pilsen, I'm talking about Fenerbahce, I'm talking about Dara Shafaka, Karshiaka, I don't know, Galatasaray. <clears throat> He's scoring, he's rebounding. Is he right now an old school type of inside player? Probably. But what I'm surprised with is the level of physicality. And same with Garuba. Garuba is a, is a man in a kid's body, if you understand me. And uh, same with Alperin. Uh, he's, a, He's simply more physical than a 19-year-old kid should be. Footwork, uh, offensive, uh, offensive rebounding, positioning. It's pretty good level. Problem is, is that good enough for the NBA level? 
I'm not talking about EuroLeague level. I'm talking about the NBA level and the way he's playing, especially because of his um, habits to create uh, problems from defense closer to the basket. He's a, for me, he's an inside player. Let's call it inside. <clears throat> and as you know, the, the, the rules about defending low post is a, is a little bit different in the NBA. So for sure, he will have to add facing the basket part of offense in order to be successful on that level, for sure. It will help if he develops three-point range, something that, for example, a, a similar player to him, uh, Philip Petrushev, developed his, this year. He left, he left very serious program Gonzaga in order to play uh, one year in Mega. And he simply went from here to over there because of the style of the game they were running and uh, his individual improvement, adding the range and facing the basket skills. Yeah, so what, what, th those two you can... Uh -huh. yeah. What, what is interesting, you know, that in Gonzaga, at least himself, he told that he was not allowed to shoot threes. And in Mega, we saw, you know, completely different picture. As you mentioned, he became a really powerful force as a stretch five. Yeah, in Mega. Well, listen, obviously they know, well, when we're talking about Mega, obviously they know what uh, NBA level of basketball is looking for. So big man without three point shooting or at least having what we're calling long two is, uh, you know, it's it's a skill that you should have if you want to play in nowadays NBA or you have to be like extremely dominant on a low post. But again, even very dominant low post players are having problems to, to, to <clears throat> score in ISO situations on a low post because of the way of referees are letting defense to play in the NBA, which is totally different with what we have here in Europe. And let's try not to open, open that topic because it's, uh, it's, we don't have time for that. Yeah, and Alperin Shangun is so skilled offensively. Um, and one of the reasons, by the way, why, why we're talking about this Cinderella story, uh, he was much more... Uh, let's say heavier uh, before and if I'm right he lost something around 13 kilos uh, comparing you know two years ago and a year ago so maybe it had helped him a bit and what is interesting he was always next to Usman Garuba and I think it was FIBA U 18 tournament in, in European Championship they yeah. were both made the all tournament team despite yes. the fact that they were one year uh, younger than all the rest of the guys and it is so interesting to watch them because they are so different. Because when we talk about uh, Alperan, he's, you know, all about the offense, uh, all about the offensive uh, skill. He's so skilled. I mean, he, he's just amazing inside the paint. Then Garuba is, you know, is a defensive killer. And we, we like to say that defense wins championships and that usually offensive talent gets a better salary check. But when we talk about the long-term NBA future, uh, what would you pick? You know, defense or don't put, no, 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 no! Don't put me in that situation, man. Don't put me there. I will tell you, it go. It is different from a player to player. But like, I like the I like that point that you make about those two comparing. 
And um, listen, both will have to add something to their game in order to be successful on the, on the next level. Are they in a good spot? I think they are. And, you know, <clears throat> I watched some of the kids that they are projecting very, very high in the draft. You know, some of the American kids. And, um, yeah, some of them are very talented, very gifted. But I wouldn't... I wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, those two guys are sleepers on this draft. And honestly, who can talk about some universal rule rules of draft after all of us witnessing what Jokic is doing? You know. Yeah, Jokic is a rule breaker. Let's say. Absolutely. And you know what? He's probably not the only one. He's probably not the only one. And, <clears throat> you know, sometimes, yeah, highly, just for your, just for your fun, when you, when you have time, uh, check the rosters of EuroLeague teams in the last five years and EuroCup. You will be amazed how many top 15 draft picks played in Europe. The number of your uh, NBA draft picks, first 15 draft picks played in the last year, last five years, new. You will be amazed. And I don't want to spoil your fun, but just sit and, and go through the, just go through the, go through the list. Or if you want to have, if you want to do it to have even more fun, um, go through the, try to find all first rounders playing in Europe. And you will be like, no way but it is a fact so it is what it is and what this numbers says about the overall situation no i'm leaving i'm leaving this <laughs> conclusion to you man we'll talk about after olympics and i will i will call you i say donatas did you check those numbers yes coach yeah well what do you think unbelievable and and it is maybe you should find somebody else and talk about it yeah Listen, when we talk about universal rules, uh, we have Usman Garuba, who obviously has, you know, to work with his outside shot. And I wish him, you know, following Serge Ibaka path because he was not, you know, nothing close oh. to a shooter. He started to shoot trees like in probably his sixth or seventh season with OKC. So I hope that, you know, we have the same kind of potential with Garuba. Well, you, you have, you have uh, similar, you have similar example with Lopez from Milwaukee oh, yes. Bucks. I mean those are those are those are career changing moments. You know, adding a range or adding a new new skill, it's it's very important. You know, like so many people are talking about uh Doncic and Jokic, you know, simply when they're processing what's going on on the floor, they're doing that way faster than most of the players. They understand the distance. They understand the spacing. Unbelievable. And they're both passers, good passers. You know, processing, understanding where you are, what you need to do is very important. It's very important. And the that's question, one of the things, uh -huh. sorry, and that's one of the things that uh, you cannot improve with a, with a practice. You can help yourself to stay on a high level focus for a longer time. 
I'm not sure that you can speed up processing what's going on in front of you. So it's just my opinion. I hope I'm wrong. Then I will learn something. And the question I was leaning to uh, was, I mean, you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, very interesting fact about the number of games, for example, Franz uh, Wagner and Garuba and Jokobaitis uh, played uh, in two years. If you could compare the numbers in two years, it would be... It, it would be brutal. But what I want to say, you know, uh, what is better for a young player, you know, to have such a heavy schedule or to have, yeah. you know, let's say a less number of games, but more time for practice, working on on skills, because maybe just an example, Garuba or uh, Shengun, the same, maybe they would have benefit more from having more time to work on their skills. Yeah, that's a, that's one side that's one side. On the one side, let's say that you have one game a week. Let's say, just saying like that. Let you play one game a week, or let's say that you're playing uh, three games in two weeks. Doesn't matter. And obviously, that means that, for example, you can spend more time uh, trying to figure out what's good for your body. You know, uh, you have more time to work on your skills. The thing in the NCAA and you're aware of it, they do have a limited hours during the week to work out. But for example, uh, having teams in Europe who are fully aware that they need to improve their players having one game a week, it's pretty good for players. It gives you more time to work on the skills, to work on your body and still stay in the competitive shape. Let's use that term. On the other end, if you believe that experience is very important for the highest level of basketball, and I believe it is, then obviously you have to give pluses to players like Garuba or Jokubaitis, meaning they are playing on a high level against great coaches, great players. Okay, and uh, I think there is a benefits in that too. So probably in a, in, a, in, a, in a perfect world, you have to mix both of it. And I do understand that having the numbers of, um, having the numbers of games, for example, in EuroLeague, yeah, with all those double, week, uh, <clears throat> double weeks, with two games per week and everything, and traveling uh, all across the continent, uh, you know, not having enough time for the working on, a, on, a, on the basics and fundamentals or body. Yeah, it is a problem. Of course it is a problem, especially if you're playing and those two are playing in a, in a so-called demanding, you know, environments where uh, success is something that it's normal for them. You know, obviously you do understand. And I coached in, in Lithuania, so I know how, how important it is to win. Uh, Real Madrid, that's a top top uh, level club in a in a in a Euro League, and now Jokas uh, Rokas, sorry, Rokas signing in Barcelona uh, team with uh, obviously having one goal next season, and that's to win the Euro League. So, is he going to have the same amount of time like he's playing one game a week? No, no way. But it is what it is. You have to make decisions between those two. Yeah, and Franz Wagner, uh, he's uh, he played two seasons in Michigan. The last yeah. season, he averaged twelve point four five points per game, 
6.5 rebounds, three assists. Uh, he can shoot from the outside. He can defend. He can play multiple positions. He's very high IQ player. And what is interesting, uh, he was playing for uh, for Alba Berlin prior to going yeah. to uh, Gonzaga. And even then, when he was really young, he was maybe 16 or 17, he left a great impression for other players, for for exper- experienced players. And they already told that he was you now much smarter. He was much more matured than his age. He was always very, let's say, determined, ambitious. He had no authorities uh, on the court. And, you know, it was already a great feedback. And even some players told that back then they thought that it's a future top 10 NBA uh, draft uh, player. So, you know, that skill of reading the game, reading the defenses and stuff helps him a lot and might help him in the N- NBA. Uh, what what's what would be your take about uh, Franz uh, Wagner? What do you like about well, him the most? I, I didn't, obviously, I didn't watch him enough. I saw, let's say, three, four games. I watched... Uh, March Madness games, and I watched maybe two games during the season. So I'm not, I simply could not say that I'm an expert when we are talking about evaluating him. But um, I will go back a little bit. Uh, we have, let's say, players who are similar age, all these kids, we're talking about their similar age. But on, on the one hand, you, you checked players that we talked about, including including Schengen, because he played in against again uh, Turkish league, which is you know one of the one of the best leagues in uh, in Europe. He, he, they prove all these kids prove themselves on that level. Uh, and if you want to be honest, that's a higher level than uh, NCAA level. I'm talking about pro basketball teams in, a, in a one of the best uh, leagues in Europe. And, uh, okay, NCAA basketball is a very good level for the players and everything, but I have to go give pluses to the to other players that we were talking about. At the same time, uh, I have to give him plus having more time to develop his skills. So what's next for him? Uh, I, would, I would say that him... Uh, understanding that he will have to play facing face to the basket type of the basketball, I think his three point shooting have to be way better. You know, that's that's just me. Um, you know, watching those games, uh, I would love to see him. If let's say that if he's played like a stretch four, I would love to see him being more aggressive on offensive boards. But again, some teams are simply not forcing their players to go for a rebound. So him as a stretch forward, that's another opportunity for him. Um, I would love to see him being more aggressive, if you understand what I'm trying to say. But there is a big question, next level, NBA level, or I don't know, EuroLeague or any level that he will play. Uh, is he going to be a go-to guy or is he going to be one of the guys who will... Uh, I call them logistic groups. Is it the guy supporting the stars? And probably for some time he will be part of that second group. So his range, his size, that's a good size for a three-man. And passing, as you said, high IQ and everything. Him being able to make a decision to leave one good in one good club and leaving to stage, that's that's uh, 
you know, when 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 young players are making those type of decisions, that tells a lot about them. You know, it's the same with Petrusha, him leaving Gonzaga because he understands what's good for him. Obviously, paid off. You know, him being uh, MVP of ABA League, you know, it's not uh, the easiest thing to do. So, uh, but go back to Wagner. Uh, it all depends what type of the team he will play. You know, if, if he's playing, you know, so-called open court, uh, you know, up-tempo type of team, probably he would uh, he would be good at for it. Yeah. So the far, he's projected. Yeah. The good. Projected. The good uh -huh. okay. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, the good the, the good thing is that his uh, his coach is is a uh, you know well known NBA player. So I guess they were they were talking thinking thinking about him also. But again, uh, to go back to Wagner, I mean, uh, I'm following those mock drafts and everything. Lately, his name is going up and up and up, which is fine. But since I have no information how good his workouts are. Maybe he's great in workouts. Maybe he's showing something that he they didn't they couldn't see during the games. Maybe they are putting him in some different situations than uh, he had on a, on a college, and that's that's one of the, the reasons that you actually having those workouts. You know, they want to test you in isolated uh, situations. Yeah, and ESPN's Jonathan Givoni lists him as a number nine overall pick in this draft. And this yeah. pick uh, is owned by Sacramento Kings. Uh, Alperun Shengun is 12th projected pick. Uh, mm -hmm. Usman Garuba is 19th. Rokas Yokobaitis is 44th. And Petrushev is 42nd. Can, yeah. can you... Expand your thoughts about Petrushev, you know, to finish it up, you know, about well, that uh, our, our that, discussion about main main European yeah. prospects for the draft. Well, well, that means for sure that I don't know enough about draft <laughs> and mock drafts, actually, you know. But listen, uh, having having players. Did you did you try to have this discussion with NBA people, you know, about all these mocks and about you know projecting? Projecting players' uh, future. Well, listen, we are talking about it, but nothing like like serious because uh, because you know, as I said, um, different teams, different needs, different philosophies. That's that's I I respect that and I accept it. So it is. I mean, wasting time trying to convince them in what you believe or myself or somebody else. No reason. You know, waste of energy waste of time so they have their own ways we have our own ways you know sometimes <clears throat> i'm pretty sure we're watching basketball in a different way which is fine that's that's okay that's the beauty of it you know yeah so once again uh Petrushev's situation was really strange because you know he, the last year he was also projected as probably somewhere in 40s and in, in 50s now as we said he took a very uh, drastic very brave uh, decision to leave Gonzaga for Mega he expanded his game he improved his you know uh, range he became the MVP of Alba League scoring you know 20.1 point per game 7.4 rebounds one, and one he became a very important yeah. part of Serbian national team. Yeah, that's he was another thing. Of, yeah, 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 and and that's something new. So obviously, people following him don't appreciate that. It's okay. 
I think that when you're having player like him and he's uh, something I like to call combo big, you know, probably more efficient as a five man who can pop and make decisions because he's a decent passer and he can put the ball on the floor. I think that that teams could find a place for him to to use it. Uh, can you find a more athletic, a more athletic uh, big guy? Yeah, probably you can. But on, on the other end, his size is a very, very decent for that spot. And you know what? Maybe, maybe it's time for uh, some new tendencies. You never know. You never talking know. about talking about tendencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we prepared this uh, topic before the podcast, and I'm not sure if we discussed it enough. Uh, I mean, again, universal rules. There are no rules for every player. But NCAA, Europe or Spain, I mean, uh, what's your experience about young players selecting their path? Because it seems like, again, it's like a tendency. For example, in Lithuania, 10 years ago, head coach of Lithuania, Jonas Kozlauskas, the Basketball Federation, were, let's say, publicly again against you know young prospects coming to the NCAA. Now we see top prospects of Lithuania, like Azulos Tubelis, like Augustas Marcelonis going to NCAA. Then we see Rokas Jokubaitis and his unique path from Jalgiris. Uh, and then we see a uh, rest of the guys you know, going to Spain and stuff like that. So how, as a coach who recently worked in Spain, mm-hmm. worked in, in, in Serbia, who worked in NBA, what do you think about all these different uh, paths? Well... Uh, again, it's it's individual because, like, uh, I think it's pretty hard to force somebody's decision about their own future. If you understand what I'm trying to say, I, w- I will give you the example of of my. Uh, I mean, I really like that kid that uh, I coached in uh, in Estudiantes, Gedraitis. Oh, Davis Gedraitis, he's a great. Oh, He's coming to Let Cabalis this summer. Uh, this yeah, year, so I, I, I'm happy to I know. Him. I know. Uh, I know. Chanak asked me about him, and I said, "Sign him. Don't <laughs> ask me anything else. Just sign him. If you can sign him, that's it. That's it. Listen, that's unbelievable, kid. Unbelievable, kid. I, I have no. I, I cannot find words to to. Ooh, to say something good enough for him. I mean, great kid patient, hard worker, wants to be better, good listener. I think he's a good teammate, brave. And I'm so, so pissed off that he had those injuries during my time over there. And uh, I really liked him, really liked him. And for example, there is, let's use his example. I hope he will not, and his family will not mind that. So you have him. Uh, going to 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 Spain and and you know the rules of us ACB after after years of that you get uh, let's call it how you say it, Spanish passport or Spanish basketball citizenship is that is it right yeah. proper way to say it yeah and it, it's it's very important actually you know we know that a- ACB is probably the best league out of out of NBA. And uh, I understand that. I understand the path for a young Lithuanian kid going there because, listen, it's pretty much the similar things are happening to to some Serbian kids. And uh, at the same time, you will find so many young players in Spain, you know, working on those uh, 
citizenships, basketball citizenship, because it will open up, uh, it will open up everything. Uh, you know, some other doors in their careers will be more open. But at the, at the same time, I understand that uh, some some people they they really want to go to states to go through the NCA, and then you have obviously three, third group. You know, uh, young players staying in their own clubs in Lithuania, Serbia, Spain, wherever Germany. And is there is there a you know the best way for a young player? I don't believe that. I think it's very very individual because like I don't know you you have your own skill set and then you have this opportunity and this scenario. If it works for you, I mean, I, there is absolutely no guarantee it would work for me. And you know, I know one thing that uh, what people don't understand is sending. A, uh, your uh, son or daughter, whatever, uh, very young, to the foreign country to, to 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 play basketball, to live another life. You know, like we're always talking about uh, differences between the states in Europe or between countries in in Europe. And you know, it's it's not just basketball; it's a way of life, it's cultural differences, and all those things. You know. There is no guarantees that you will uh, you will adjust the right way. Simply, there is. I mean, I have a great respect for every kid trying to 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 <clears throat> to do what's best for him. The thing is, with you as a federation or any federation, whatever it is, could do is you know to create a healthy environment for those kids not to think about going to states or somewhere else, other country. And the problem is that how can you do that? You know, oh, at the same time, you have clubs, you know, trying to win. And uh, it is sometimes so hard to develop players and win at the same time. It's, it's very hard. It's very hard. You know, and I, I understand, actually, I understand federation. I understand that. What and I, I I think I remember what what coach was uh, talking about back then and but I understand players you know them you know trying to uh, <clears throat> trying to they're looking for better opportunities let's say better conditions absolutely absolutely and you you know what as as uh, I think you know if you're more basketball oriented meaning that you're uh, ready to take a higher risk. I think that you would probably try to make your uh, career in somewhere in Europe. In states, at least you have a education. You get education. You understand, like, and and if you don't make your career the way you want it, at least you have a good start for the rest of your life. It's like a plan B. Or plan A for some for some families. Oh or yes. For, you know, I I remember I remember my first practice when I signed for uh, Kirkanova Method. It was back then 209. And uh player from rotation was a player of under 20 of Slovenia. And I remember that kid not showing up at the first practice of the senior team because he decided to quit basketball. After summer with the national team under 20, he simply said, his family, they sat together and they said like, okay, we'll, we'll try to get education. That's a low risk, low risk uh, decision. 
proper way, you know, something that you want for your kid, get your education and start working, you know, start to live your own life. Basketball-wise, I mean, you're fully aware that percentage of successful basketball players is not that high. And we are fully aware of it. And it's it's part of them being ready to be some kind of gladiators. Honestly, that's the that's their path. That's what they choose. And sometimes they don't they don't get enough respect for those kind of decisions. Yeah. And another probably the last question. Okay. Let's say the last um, question which uh, we didn't solve yet in in many years in Europe and uh, which is bothering us every time we mention it. We have guys like Garuba, uh, Jokobaitis also, some other players who are going to the NBA uh, and will be bought out from their teams in Europe. And in the current situation, the buyout for the NBA team is $750,000. Mm-hmm. It just increased a bit. Yeah. What do you think? What will need to happen? What needs to happen that in one day European clubs would get legitimate reward for preparing a great player, great prospect, future star uh, for the NBA team? Because we know what is seven hundred fifty thousand uh, euros in Europe. Yeah. Um, I will. I will again. I'll be again. I'll be. I'll be devil's advocate. Uh, that's still more than an NCAA college is getting when uh, their players are leaving early. And it is such a such a interesting topic. I'm not sure there is a right type of number. You know, that there is amount of money that would make everybody in that game. Uh, you know, satisfied because uh, obviously we want players to be satisfied. We want their new clubs to be satisfied. We want their own uh, old clubs to be satisfied because they want to be motivated to do it again. If you understand what I'm trying to say. And, but nowadays, I mean, um, you remember back in the days, historically, we remember uh, big, big amounts of money when some players are going from team to team in Europe. Mm-hmm. But lately, those things are not happening. Or am I missing it? You will not find, for example, I don't know, you, you know the right you know the right amount of money for Jokubaitis to go from one EuroLeague to another EuroLeague team. Yeah, it's it was only something close to 225,000 euros, but it's yeah. very different. For example, when we take Spain, we we see buyouts of like one and a half million or, or one million. Exactly, exactly. When you when you when you uh, when you check uh, how much uh, Real Madrid paid for uh, Abalde, for example, it is a big time difference. Big time difference. So. Again, as I said, depends goes from from case to case. So, how to say that? It's 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 very it's very different for each and every player, you know. And uh, but that's that's another part of basketball that that money part that 
maybe we should let guys who knows more about it discuss and think about it. I don't know how to help anyone in that circle. I like uh, parts of Italian Italian system. You know, when, when you have a kid going from uh, one club to another, to another, to another, like the starting club where you started your career, still getting money every time you were going from team to team. I don't know. Are you aware of it? No, I didn't know. I mean, they get some, you know, percentage of the yes. money uh, after every transfer. Yeah, something, something like that's that. That's how it should so, be. Probably that's more com- common in football. Well, listen, there's so many things in, in football that, that maybe we should... Maybe we should copy paste. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. But uh, on the other end, you know, it is different sport and a different amounts of money. Honestly. So, I, I, to go back to your answer, I, I don't see the the right way of dealing with it. So everybody is 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 happy. Honestly. Yeah, just I just. I mean, you are you are you are aware that that teams are not making money in Europe. Yeah, that's the the biggest problem. Yeah, they are not making money. Simply, they're not. You know, maybe at least you know, growing players, preparing them for the NBA will help them. You know, financially, to to let's say to be motivated again. You know, to to prepare to invest in young players because when yeah, but how often? How often you can you can uh, create player good enough to go to NBA year after year and after year and after year and after year? It, it's not the easiest thing. It's not the easiest thing. It's very hard, actually. But you know that's something that that, that clubs will have to have to figure out. Okay, so uh, to finish up our podcast, I will just mention uh, that uh, we discussed pretty much in detail uh, five, let's say, top uh, or, or let's say... Or uh, best known, let's say best, best known. known yeah. yeah, best known European prospects before the NBA draft 2021, uh, which we will have in two days, uh, July 29th. Uh, and I, I will mention also some other second rounders which you yeah, should follow. Some sleepers, sleepers. Yeah, some oh of yeah, them maybe. are pretty interesting. Some of them are pretty interesting. Yeah, and probably we will stop at one of the guys who is very interesting to uh, Alexander Djikic. So I will just mention that, for example, Joel Ayayi, who who spent uh, past three seasons in Gonzaga, is projected as the thirty seventh uh, pick. We have uh, another French guy, Johan Begarin, uh, who played in Paris team. His uh, fourth, uh, projected uh, pick. Uh, also, uh, what else do we have? Uh, yeah, Bel- guy from Belgium, forward from Belgium, Vrens Bleyenberg from Antwerp. He's uh, projected to be 52nd. Uh, then also we have Santi Aldama uh, from Spain, 55th by ESPN mm-hmm. Smog Draft. And we also had uh, have at the number fifty nine, Sandro Mamukelashvili from yeah. Georgia, big guy yeah. from Georgia. Yes, that's the. And I heard one. you you love him, right? Well, I, he's an interesting one. You know what I saw? What I, I mean, I, I will I will follow him. Honestly, I will follow him. I don't know too much information about him off court and those things, but I watch him playing and. 
some things are very interesting to me. For example, I, he has some uh, Nikola Jokic, right? Well, it's not about Jokic or things like that. It's, it's about him, you know, being a combo big and him being more, how to say that, more skillful than I was expecting for that type of the body and, you know, mm -hmm. the way he's scoring and, you know, acting on the floor. It makes me, it makes me, you know, kind of interested in what will happen with him in, a, in, a, in the next two, three years. Who knows? I mean, some some kids who were great on the NCAA level, they simply became one-off European players. I mean, players in the European League, and then some really almost no names became big-time names in a, in the Euro League. And as you know, I mean, we can we can find many examples of. It. So it's. You know, finding those diamonds in a rough, it's interesting thing. Oh, yeah. So best of luck for Sandro and best of luck for other uh, European yeah. prospects. You know, we hope to, to witness some other uh, Nikola Jokic or, yeah. I don't know, Manu Ginobili stories because we Europeans always root for such success stories and about all these uh, sleepers, uh, you know. Well, we want to show them the, I don't know, I guess uh, having three Europeans in a, best NBA team is not enough. So, you know, this year it's Yanis, Luka and Jokic, best fives. I guess we want more. Yeah, we have to stay humble and ambitious. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're still uh, following the right ways uh, from the league. Thanks a lot for this podcast, uh, coach. I think it was pretty, un, let's say, not ordinary one, because okay. usually probably guys, you know, list uh, players and they discuss it, you know, player by player. But it was a, let's say, very organic discussion. And well, from that know, discussion, we, we yeah. let's say, previewed all these European prospects uh, for the draft. Most of the time we have guys without this beard, so... <laughs> I don't know. It's off season. So I let it grow. I hope. I hope. I. I hope I'll help. You know, I'll help you at least a little bit. Thanks for the opportunity. And I really respect what you're doing in a basketball world. Have the best Thanks of luck. Know. Have the best of luck. All the best for your listeners, viewers. Take care, guys. I appreciate you uh, once again. Thanks a lot, uh, Coach uh, Jikic. Best of luck for you and uh, the next season with Budišnas Podgorica. Uh, you can find this uh, podcast uh, on YouTube, Basket News channel. Also, uh, you should follow us on basketnews.com. And of course, you can find us on audio platforms like Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts and stuff like that. So once again, it was a great conversation and always a pleasure, uh, Coach Jikic. Uh, have a nice day. Bye.